and welcome to episode 86 of the Retro Encounter Podcast. My name is Mike Solosi, Monsoon on the Boards. We are here to talk about Dragon Quest V again with my same two partners from last time. First, Keegan Lee. What's up, folks? Fozzy Bear on the Boards. And second, Robert Steinman. Uh, I've been turned to stone and can't talk for several years. Oh, man, so <laughs> how are we going to know who you are on the boards? Man, that's, uh, I don't know. I've, I have some vague memory of you saying about something on the boards. Oh, oh well, it's not important. So, you were turned to stone at the end of, at the end of last episode, but um, after a long and confusing uh, uh, montage of scenes at Mr. Porgia's house, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the seasons change, and yeah. that's supposed to be a couple of years. It's, it's actually extremely depressing, as you are just like yeah. the equivalent of a lawn gnome, and just and watching see, people and grow see, up. And you see a family be destroyed right in front of you. Because yeah. demons, <laughs> demons take a little boy named Georgie off into slavery, just like you and Harry were uh, years earlier. It, it's 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 a real downer moment for Dragon Quest V, but it kind of it shows like this futility, I guess, of what you're trying to fight at the start of this game. Because mm-hmm. as we said in the last episode, you really aren't the hero of Dragon Quest V. You're you're the hero's dad, and mm-hmm. so there's not a whole lot you can really do until your your protege is ready to go. Yeah, it's it's unusual in that in every Dragon Quest game you are the chosen one. I mean, one of them is even called Chapters of the Chosen, but in this game it's really the hero, the main character's journey is is his life from, you know, uh childhood through to fatherhood, and through his marriage and fatherhood, he I mean, begets the, the real hero of the, of Dragon Quest 5, and uh you sort of like, you know, handhold your son through the uh through the final dungeon to defeat the the demon lord, and it's Dragon Quest V is tied for my favorite Dragon Quest game along with eight, in large part because the journey of the main character is so interesting and emotional, and it, it's really a moment when uh, when Sancho stops by with your two kids and they uh, they use a, a staff a magic staff to destone you and everything's good again. And, uh, and that reminds me. I mean, what has poor Sancho been through? Oh my God! I, he's he's basically been raising your children uh, after kind of helping to raise you quite a little bit, and watching his best friend get murdered. Like he's Sancho's, Sancho's got just, the sad story. <laughs> I mean, he's just a reliable dude. That's yeah. who he is. And his, I feel bad that I never used him in my party. Yeah, his, you're his, kidding me. No, his best friend's and, uh, wife disappears. And then his best friend, he raises his best friend's kid with his best friend. His best friend uh, vanishes, presumed dead, because he was because he was killed. Then he spends ten years looking for his best friend's son. He finally encounters him again, gets to see his that kid marry and have children, and then he's gone again. He has to raise more children. S- Sancho is uh, the unsung hero of this game, and uh, but the, in, in combat he's not that great. He has a bunch of weird tricksy moves that like a merchant or a goof off character in an earlier Dragon Quest games would have, and he had they gave him a really annoying Spanish accent in this game. Oh yeah, that's not mm-hmm. fun to read. Like yeah. I, to, it, mm-hmm. it's kind of what holds me back from replaying something like Chrono Cross. Is like, no, I don't want to read broken French. Like that is not. Uh, I I love when writers are trying to create characters, but like that in Scottish. You ever tried to read like a book Ugh. or something where they try to do a Scottish accent, and it's like, and oh they, my they, sweet god! They did that in the first chapter of Dragon Quest Four. Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah. Was, uh, 
Rag Ragnar McRyan, who's Ryan in Japanese and Ragnar in the old Dragon Quest Dragon Warrior Four, so they combined both names for the DS version. But uh, yeah, in Dragon Quest Four, it's and it's worse, and in Seven, it's even worse because every town has some kind of fake accent associated with it in those games. But well, in Dragon Quest Five, it's only Sancho and a couple demons that speak real weird. Mm-hmm. Which makes it a bit of a challenge to read. The, the final boss has a, has some screwy text that looks like you're trying to read like Mr. Saturn's script. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it I I don't understand why they did that, and I I think I I managed to find something online that roughly just translated the characters. Like, it's kind of interesting. Like in that whole maybe Lovecraftian Cthulhu, like you can't understand what exactly what you're trying to read. I it, I get what you're going for, but like please don't do that in a text based game. Like, like don't. I, don't like I wonder that. if maybe it had a different meaning in in Japanese. Like if he uh, if he used some really unusual characters or really screwed up looking uh, kanji or piragana or something. But it 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 doesn't really translate here. It just made it hard to read and annoying. They could have there's a, there's other ways they could have done it that I would have preferred. But yeah, uh, if um, listeners that haven't played the very end, the final boss Nimzo speaks in a script that looks like really weird chicken scratch with strange circles and and uh, and squiggly lines on the letters that make it's just a challenge to read I don't think it, it reminds it reminds me of diablo one where every like uh oh had a dot in the middle of it yeah and it was a to little, make it, it was... to make it look cool and edgy <laughs> but really it just made it, it just made your brain think extra hard every time it saw an O. <laughs> so it's like it's like this isn't helping yeah, I mean, it, it's, I, I don't know. I, I love reading flowery text sometimes, but if you if you make it too much work, God, what book was I reading recently that did that? Like, they had a Scottish character, and it was just, ah. I, remember, um, I think I've mentioned this on podcasts before, but I was a big fan of the uh, Brian Jake's Redwall books many years ago, and uh, which are about talking animals that live in sort of a, a kingdom, and moles in that, in that universe speak in a real bizarre accent. And it was a challenge for me as a nine or ten year old to decode whatever any mole was saying. So, yeah, this all these weird accents in Dragon Quest games remind me of mole speak, and that's not a compliment. I apologize to all mole people. We're not saying that you need mm. to learn English. Okay, that's not no, what we're saying right now. Okay, what? okay. Look, I, I'm, I guess I'm insensitive to mole people, but it was I, part of my childhood, all right? Well, I mean, they I, also stole your damn harp in Dragon Quest Eight, so, like, mm-hmm. I totally understand right now. And then, like, well, that mole, in his defense, had a pretty sweet afro. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Okay, so so you're turned to stone, and yes. you, you, you uh, eventually, Sancho and your children come to rescue you, and like you said, they wave a staff, and you come back to life. That, it's a really heartwarming moment, like this idea of meeting your children in a video game, and I can't really think of a lot of games that have managed to pull that off, or even attempted it. Like, it's... It's just really, really interesting, and of course, now, now my two kids were blonde because I married Bianca. You know, the right choice. Do they, <laughs> we said before that their their appearance changes based on who you marry, correct? Yeah, yes, it's yeah. only it's only the hair though. Their um their armor and tunic or whatever uh, are the same, but it's uh depending on who you marry is that influences the hair color of the children. Yeah, and I think the is... stats might change a little bit too. No, they I don't. Think... They don't. The, oh, okay. the stats of the wives are significantly different, but the uh, I have been lied to. Then the, the the two kids have the will have the same stats and they learn the same spells. Ah, what's important is that my son looks like Gohan. That that is the most <laughs> important thing. Yeah, he'll either look like Gohan or Bulma or Gohan not in Super Saiyan form. <laughs> These so, are all important. Yeah. 
Yes, they are blonde. <laughs> My children were blonde, so they just look like Super Saiyan. It's nice yeah, to have Super we... Saiyan show up to save you. Like, and that's it... important. <laughs> and we went over this in the last episode, but I think they really steer you into, try into marrying Bianca, since she has way more of a storyline role at the beginning of the game than uh, Nera or Deborah does. And in, in the Super Famicom version, that scene at the very beginning where you meet uh, where you meet um, Nara and Deborah doesn't happen. You just the first time you meet Nara, whose Japanese name is Flora, is in the town where she's from. So there's there's even less of a of a uh, like anti Bianca choice in the <laughs> in the other versions. But um, but I mean it's it's it works out because Bianca's actually is a really likable character and the just the concept of of marrying and having children and meeting your children, which is which is pretty unique. I mean. Uh, Fire Emblem Awakening and Fire Emblem Fates obviously did a version of that, which is kind of messy because they they do some Terminator time travel from the future nonsense, and uh, oh shoot, and uh, I think and it's basically an adaptation of uh, one of the Super Nintendo Fire Emblem games, which has like two generations, but we don't we don't need to go into that. It, Dragon Quest V does a really unique and cool thing with you know fighting alongside your wife and children for the final boss. Mm-hmm. Did you did you guys um keep your whole family in the wagon or or next to you for the uh for the final dungeon? Oh, I had my family out the uh, entire time with Sancho in the back for support if need be. I uh I had to build my kids up quite a bit cuz they are really weak at the start and if you can kind of get yourself into some trouble if you go down the main story path and don't level them up a little bit but eventually it was it was the whole family. The whole fam family was together. I I think they kind of build it like that on purpose because you have like uh, I, I believe Bianca has oomph, which kind of makes all the dif- the difference in these yeah, dragon. All, all three, games. all three wives and the daughter learn oomph, but no monsters do, or, or I think maybe right. one monster does. So it's a it's an uncommon spell, and it's really really good to have someone with it for boss fights, especially. I- and eventually your son will kind of surpass you in terms of raw damage, but he doesn't have as much utility as the main character of the game, as your character of the game. So I, really? I kind of... I, I, at I least thought, I, I don't the, think I so. I thought the opposite, because the son learns better healing spells than the main character. That's the, true. The main That's character true. does not learn multi-heal or kazing, which are very important. But, but doesn't it, the, main char- the main character also has the... has? Is there something... Maybe I'm getting my Dragon Quest games messed up. Isn't there something where, like, spells cost less for the main characters or am i thinking of a different dragon that quest game? is the main character of dragon quest 8 and a skill that you, uh, okay and, and a skill that the hero class can learn in dragon quest 7 but okay um but the maybe main, i just now the yeah. main character of five has uh has slightly higher physical stats than his son and there's a few unique pieces of equipment that you can find for the main character there's the dragon staff which you find in the temple and uh, the Pallium Regal, which is a or royal cloak, which you find in a, in a hidden dungeon, um, and I think and the Sun Crown, which is a uh, an item you find in the final dungeon. The hero, those are like the best armor, helmet, and weapon in the game, or among the best. And only mm. the main character can equip them. But your son automatically f- can equip the Zenithian equipment, which is really really good, and can equip almost as good weapons as his father, and just learns way better spells than his father. Yeah, it's so, it's the Zenithia equipment that kind of made the yeah. difference for him in my game. Like he he hits like a dump truck when he's did, got all that did, stuff. Did you find the royal cloak in that uh, in that dungeon with the uh, 
Oh shoot! With with the uh, with the monster tiles in it that you had to cover. No, I I was kind of going for the end of the game at that point, and okay. when I read the thing about the monster tiles and I got to the end of that part, I was just like, no, it's, I don't, it's an I don't need dungeon. to. Do... Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, I kind of reach a point with video games where like I'm ready for them to be over, and I, I love Dragon Quest V, but I was kind of like, okay, th this needs to be done. Let's just, I think I can beat the last boss, and I I would say compared to Dragon Quest IV, whose last boss is like. Dear God, I ran out of MP on him, which is kind of <laughs> like the end of any Dragon Quest fight. Mm -hmm. the The last boss of Dragon Quest Five is pretty pretty straightforward. Not actually too bad. No, it wasn't bad. And, he, and um, the the final run of bosses where you fight Laja, then the first form of Nimzo, then a transformed version of Nimzo. None of them uh, learn even any special moves or special attacks. They're still, you know, breathing fire and casting Kaboom on you. Where, yeah. where instead of anything unique or particularly dangerous, which is, I don't know, a little underwhelming. And, and, and in fact, there's uh, not much attachment to any of the, or backstory to any of the villains in this game, I feel, other than Laja, who you see kill your father with a giant fireball and then kill your mother with the same giant fireball uh, years later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like... Oh, go sorry. ahead, Keegan. No, go ahead, Keegan. I feel it would have been a little bit better if Laja was the final boss, just for yeah. that closure, you know? Mm. Like, he's the, he's practically the reason that the main characters experience all these terrible things in his life. Like, I would have loved to kill Nimzo, then, I don't know, Laja absorbs his power, he becomes the ultimate boss. And, and it's also weird because with, with playing so many Dragon Quest games in recent succession, I mean, Dragon Quest Eight has one of the best villains in, like, all of video games with like the start of Duel Magus and everywhere that that goes. And I agree with you. I think Dragon Quest V, it's more the focus on the family dynamic and not so much on the villain. Whereas Dragon Quest IV puts a lot of emphasis on the backstory of the main villain and why he's mm -hmm. such a dick. Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, Pizarro I, in, in four and Duel Magus in eight. And even yep. I would and even um Oh, I forget his name. Uh, but the the dude in Dragon Quest Seven, who is is kind of this nameless uh, demon lord in the first half of the game, and then in the second half, you know, becomes a little more interesting and evil. But in in five, Nimzo is pretty faceless. Like you, um, like uh, there's a, a bunch of demons that you fight are called are named after chess pieces. Like two guys are pawns, and there's uh, Slon the knight and Khan the rook, and Nimzo the bishop. I'm, I'm sorry, Laja the Bishop and Nimzo the Grandmaster and stuff. It's like, there's this chess analogy that's, oh, okay, this is neat. I guess I'm fighting a bunch of chess pieces. But really, he's just a weird demon old man that turns into a big purple bloated demon. And <laughs> and does he doesn't really, you don't really feel his influence until you are literally crashing his castle. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think the family dynamic thing, they do a much better job with. And if that's where their focus was, like, oh, yeah. I understand it. Yeah, mm -hmm. the, the family dynamic is amazing. We talked about it a lot in the last episode, but like, but um, living with your father and then watching him die, and then meet, and then marrying and having children and searching for your mother—all of those things, I think, make for a really cool uh, storyline that's revolving around the this uh, you know silent protagonist hero character, and and that's what makes Dragon Quest V uh, special among the Dragon Quest games. Were you guys using monsters at the end of the game, or were you just kind of going with the family? Uh, Keegan, I know you were saying you went with the family, but what about you, Mike, since you've replayed this game like 37,000 oh, yeah. well, times? I, I already know what the good monsters are and what each of the family members can do, so I specifically sought out specific monsters. Now, so I recruited the Slime Knight early, then I grinded a little bit to get a heal slime. 
Then in the middle of the game, I made sure to pick up an Orc King and a Golem. And then at the end of the game, I grinded a little bit to see if I could get a, a Killer Machine or a Great Dragon. And uh, and I resolved, I'll whatever, I'll, I'll play this while watching a movie, and if I can get one or both of them during the movie, then that's fine, and if not, I'll be leveled up enough to just beat the game. And I did get a dragon. So I was my party for the final dungeon was the hero and his son with a dragon and a golem, and then my wife and daughter and some other and some healer monsters were in the wagon. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have a question about Dragon Quest in general, which uh, I think Mike especially will be able to help me out with here a little bit. I typically go for magic users in video games, but I find in the in the Dragon Quest world. It doesn't really pay off to have a magic user until late in the game because spells cost so damn much MP that you kind of just like, you can run dry in the middle of a dungeon, which is not really the best thing. Do you find it's often better in Dragon Quest games to just hit with physical attacks all day, every day? I mean, it takes longer to kill Uh, enemies, but I feel like in the long run, it works out better for you. For the most part, um, playing Dragon Quest games, and uh, and Josh would make fun of me if he heard this, because we have... uh, because we have different philosophies on how to on how to build characters, I usually do a physical build and try to keep sap and oomph spells and buff spells in my end uh, and like shielding spells among my magic users. So because uh, it the really for Dragon Quest you will always always have um, limitations with your MP since MP restoring items are uncommon and sometimes yeah. sometimes really rare and magic can be useful and powerful but is only worth using in a dungeon if you know that you'll be able to go back and restore it and if you if if you're uncertain and the dungeon's particularly long you're going to need all of that magic for healing and i in general make sure to uh to have a physical not always a physical build necessarily but always have a physical presence in my team and like i mentioned i, I beat the game with my main party was the hero the sun a dragon and a golem. The, that dragon and golem have zero MP, and the golem just attacks, and the dragon attacks and breathes fire. So, uh, like having good zero MP skills is a must for a Dragon Quest game, which is why, like in uh, oh shoot, in Dragon Quest seven and eight, I used skills like like thin air. Or uh, or fire breathing or ice breathing attacks often because they can. Be I, like, I mean, mm-hmm. thin air practically breaks Dragon Quest Seven. Like yeah. Oh, yeah. for about three quarters of that game, like I made a pirate right at the very start of Dragon Quest Seven. Like as soon as I got the jobs, I was able to get there stupid fast, and I was just like thin air, thin air, thin air, thin air, thin air, thin air. And I'm sitting there going like, is this? Am I doing this right? I felt like it was Final Fantasy Tactics, and I just broke yeah, the game. In Dragon Quest Eight, I always um, put—I forget the exact number. I think it might be forty-two points into fisticuffs for the hero and Yangus, just to get them thin air, so I can be using it for the rest of the game. At least it costs MP in Dragon Quest Eight, though. So there's a little bit. I think of it costs this, two MP. Which yeah, is, but like, and you can't trivial. have any. And you can't have anything equipped. Like you can't have a weapon equipped. But so there, but, but you, you can't you can't you can't equip and unequip weapons on the fly sure. easily, which is sure. I, I sure. guess an extra level of menu navigating. But yeah, in general, I think that a physical presence is always important in Dragon Quest games. Like the hero, the main character of Dragon Quest Two, can only attack and doesn't have any skills, and his two yeah. his two sidekicks have uh, have limited magic. But you like having skills that good skills that cost low MP or no MP and good attackers is more important than having a dominant magic user, and yeah. because a lot of that MP is going to go for healing. 
I, I feel like Dragon Quest, Dark Souls, and a couple other games have made me go from being like a primarily like magic user focused character to like now I kind of just like reliable melee damage. Just like don't have to do anything, don't have to worry about MP. Just go up and smack it. Like I just, <laughs> it, it's really changed my design. Although I still think the Diablo games do a really good job of making you feel stupid overpowered as a magic user. So maybe that maybe that's the series that continues it. Maybe I'm. I'm. I don't know. I. I. I think that Magic and Dragon Quest games are. It, it's. It's usually useful and fun. And I think. I think it's sort of cute how most of them are. Uh, are like expressions or puns. Yeah. I think they. They changed it because they're. They're weird Japanese puns in uh, the original versions. But I, I. don't know how faithful the translations are. But, uh, it's. It's really awesome what they've been doing with it. And I'm really interested in seeing uh, how, if they mix, uh, change the magic system or something for Dragon Quest XI. Yeah, yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I keep, I keep hoping we're going to see it at E3, but I'm not 100 percent sure. I would be so excited to see it. I don't. I um, I have doubts it comes out this year, but I, I am pretty. I, I because they've been so uh, even aggressive in, in uh, recent Dragon Quest ports. I'm pretty sure the West is going to get it, but I don't know anything about when or how. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we 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 finished Dragon Quest Five, and then the question is, <laughs> did you guys did you guys do the post game content? Because I know I, I know Mike's gonna get really mad at me on this, but like no 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 I'm I, no, no I kind of judgment free zone. I'm not gonna. Get I, I kind of I've always been sort of against that kind of post game like stupid hard com uh combat going back to like Final Fantasy Seven like no I did not go and get Knights of the Round to beat Ruby and Emerald in the U.S. version like I had zero desire to do that and even though they added a ton of content to Dragon Quest Eight and well for, I mean for Knights of the Round all you, need, all you need to do is ride a chocobo out to an island that, that's not yes that crazy yeah I mean quest. you don't have to do you don't have to do anything related to that chocobo but like <laughs> I, I just I, I wonder like. Did you guys do the post-game content in Dragon Quest V? Because I just I can't bring myself to do it. Once I finish a Dragon Quest game, I'm kind of done with it. Like I enjoyed it, I had a lot of fun with it, but I don't. Maybe it's because there's other Dragon Quest games for me to play. But I'm like, no, I'm I'm good. I'm good. All right. Well, I, I I've already done this post-game content when I was playing the hell out of this game uh, in the late 2000s when it came out. So I. I've already done it. I've already known what it is. So for the purpose of playing it this time, I did not do any of it. Um, the reviews are good. I mean, you get more strong weapons. You get two uh, two crazy um, monsters that are like uh, that are mini versions of uh, of bosses uh, of Dragon Quest bosses. And and then the monsters kind of suck too. They're like. They're at level one. They gain levels twice as slow as any other monster in the game, and they their stats reach near max once you get them to level ninety plus. But so so they just they're just wasted space in your wagon unless you really like seeing high stats on characters. So I I don't necessarily recommend. Oh, and there's also another TNT board, um, in the post game dungeon. Mm-hmm. But it's I don't think the post game stuff is that impressive in five. Uh, it's I re- strongly recommend people do uh, the post game in Dragon Quest VIII because it lets you change the ending and it's really cool and satisfying. But uh, in and in seven, like one of the post game dungeons is cool, the other one isn't. In the DS version of Dragon Quest IV, the post game's really cool because it gives you a new character and uh, changes the and changes the ending a little bit too. So I, I, like sometimes the post game in Dragon Quest is satisfying, but most of the time it's not as it's not 
it's not important, and it's maybe particularly weak in five. But I mean, I'm used to doing post-game stuff. I mean, I've played, I've put hundreds of hours into Disgaea games, so of of course I'm used to playing robust post-games. But it's, I don't think it's necessarily crucial to do Dragon Quest fives. Yeah, I gotta agree. I mean, if the post-game were like four or eight, where it delved more into the story, I would be about it. But since it's just kind of an extra dungeon and a few extra monsters, it just I'm done, you know? I just beat five. I don't want to dive right back in. I want to take a little break. Yeah, so I'm uh, Rob, I'm not mad at you. And if, and if anything, I'm I'm sympathetic, for at least in this case. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Maybe I'll go back and do the Dragon Quest VIII post-game content. I did you it the sh- first time. Well, I, I did it the okay, first time. I think it's it's different in this one and better. I, I recommend doing the post-game in Dragon Quest VIII 3DS. It was, it was really awesome. I know, I just, there's so many other, get, dude, Persona 5 calls right now, like, I finally got done with a couple of reviews, and it's time to get back to it. <laughs> I was I was fortunate enough to not be on the episode that uh, that we recorded in April and posted in May. I, I, I wasn't around for uh, Darksiders month, basically, so I, I used that month to play Persona 5, <laughs> to finally play a game other than a retro encounter RPG. I know the feeling, dude. I know, when, when I was... When you have to review several games in a row, it's like, oh my god, can I just play something I want to play? Luckily, I got mm-hmm. lucky with Prey, which was good, and, yeah, man, and the had... surge was, and the surge was better than I thought it was going to be. So that's good. <laughs> I have had Tales of Berseria and Trails of uh, Trails of Cold Steel two, and uh, Horizon Zero Dawn like on my shelf, just staring at me, and I and I don't know when I'll get to them. <laughs> Hopefully soon. Yeah, Near is on my backlog still, and that makes me sad because I was really looking forward to playing that, but. Too many games. 2017 needs to relax a little bit. Too many games and not enough time. It's the eternal Agreed. struggle. Agreed. Agreed. So. Do we have anything else to say about Dragon Quest V, or are we good? Oh, come on. We can think of more things to say. Uh... <laughs> oh, I have a question for you guys. Oh, oh, hit me. Okay, sorry. So this is going a little bit back to um the Zero MP characters, you know, experience with, with monsters. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about the one weird human character in the game. Oh, Tuppence. Oh, oh yeah, Tuppence. Who's oh like, shoot? He, oh. I think he's I think he's called Pippin in in the Japanese version. But um, oh really? Yeah, he's. I don't think he learns any skills. He's basically just a soldier character that yeah, he, no. that he can equip good armor is what's is his great skill. So you can throw metal metal king equipment on him if you want. But uh, and and that can be a problem because like, uh, I I don't think I'm not sure what shields the wife can equip. <laughs> Okay, so um, I know for a fact for um, Bianca, the highest shield she can get is the scale shield, which is like the which... third shield in the game. Yeah, or something. exactly. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> it's barely better than a pot lid. Yeah, nothing else. That's as high as she gets shield wise. So. And um, some monsters like your uh, like your saber cat or dragons can't equip shields. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think like the best armor that my dragon could equip was a silver cuirass, <laughs> which is you know. A, a mid-game thing. So, like, mm. the, the the armor selectivity is a little bit weird in, for monsters and human characters in Dragon Quest V. And Pippin's big advantage is that he can equip all the heavy stuff that the hero and the sun can equip. So he'll mm-hmm. be just a reliable attacker, even if he doesn't learn anything. Yeah, yeah he wasn't bad. Yeah. He's not bad. I don't think he's as strong as, say, like, a golem or your sun or even a slime knight that at least learns some healing spells. But, sure, if you, if you want more human characters, Tuppence is there for you. And you can also get the, uh, uh, Dwight the White Dwarf in Fairy Leia if you, um, and recruit him if you visit there as an adult. Yeah, but downside, he starts at level one also, so... Yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> God, 
How much time did you guys end up uh, spending when you were grinding? Because getting into the last dungeon for me this time around, I want to say I spent an entire day's worth of gaming just to level up my wife and children. Oh, I hmm. I maybe did an hour or two, but I, I was doing a like I was finding a, a huge area with like good XP output, and I was like my main character was so strong at that point he could kind of take on all the enemies on his own. And plus, if you keep them in the in the wagon, they still will gain XP. So yep. I I kind of just. I kind of just tooled around upgrading my monsters a little bit and upgrading the main character, and then eventually it just it kind of worked itself out where eventually they were ready to join the front line. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Some having the oh, wagon is a, is a big boon, and especially since you uh, in the final dungeon you have the wagon with you the whole time, so you can have back of the wagon healers and uh, switch out party members as necessary, including for the final boss. I had to when when um, some of my characters were running out of MP, I had to switch them in and out. But because I, I stupidly didn't uh, have <laughs> MVP restoring items in my inventory, that was a mistake on my part. So the, the final I made the final boss harder than it should have been. But uh, I didn't do a lot of grinding. I had a, I did about grinding for about an hour or two when I wanted a heal slime, and another hour or so when I wanted a an end game monster. And I think I I when I beat the game, my main character was level 37, and my kids were level 34, 35. Oh. Yeah. See, I was um around the 40s when I finished mine. And I don't know why, because I don't remember um my first run-through spending so much time grinding. It may be punishment for not going with Deborah, or as I like to call her by her pet name, Deborah. <laughs> but... King of the underworld. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was just trying to get used to Bianca. I just felt that she needed to get more powerful. Also, I never got her strongest weapon at the casino, because yeah. I get burned out at slots after a while. So. Yeah, I I um I usually do casino play in uh in Dragon Quest games because there's almost always a really good end game reward there. Oh and yeah. And in and in Dragon Quest Seven, you actually have to <laughs> do the casino if you want to do everything because some of the uh of the shards that you need are are prizes at the casino to to unlock new areas. But in I I didn't do this casino this time because even I I could have gotten more Metal King equipment or uh or the Gringham Whip, or is it Gingham or Gringham? I forget. I think it's uh, with the R. Okay, there is an R. So the, I, I didn't get any of the casino stuff this time. But I did play the first four TNT boards, and I did a little bit of grinding for monsters I wanted. Okay. I think also the casino is the only place where you can buy um, Yggdrasil leaves and the Elfin Elixir. Uh, so. You can buy Yggdrasil leaves in some shops, shops and TNT boards. Oh, okay. But I don't know about Elfin Elixir. Um I, yeah, it's really important to have a character with with Kazing is the moral of the story here, mm. because uh, like life restoring items are even harder to find than MP restoring items. Yep. And I and think then, the, uh, the only characters I, I, I had with one, the only character I had with Kazing was the Sun, which was a problem. Yeah, yeah, same here. Yeah, I had the Sun go down one time, and it was like, oh dear, like this is not going to go well because. Nobody ever gets Zing on the first time. No, I mean, no. come on, nobody, nobody. Fifty percent my ass. I like my, no I my, way. I think my record for failed zings in a row is seven. Oh God. I I thought I, I was wondering if someone was playing a prank. It was it was that bad. But this was yeah. this this was a, a different Dragon Quest game probably a yeah, long that, time ago. That is some like Fallout Three. Like you have a ninety nine percent chance to hit. Miss 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 miss. Like that 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 just doesn't feel good. You're giving not Fire Emblem fans. Uh, flashbacks right now 
Oh god, no, you should not play Fire Emblem on the highest difficulty. What's wrong with you? <laughs> 60% chance to hit, 13% chance to critical hit. Critical <laughs> hit to kill your whole team. Great. Oh, god. Yep. Oh, thank you. Fire Emblem fans are having a good time the past couple of years because they're they're they are in an embarrassment of riches right now. Oh my goodness, yes. There's going to be three consecutive years with uh, big budget Fire Emblem games, and the series is more popular than it's ever been. So, hey, maybe Dragon Quest will get that kind of shine too with Eleven on the horizon. Oh, fingers crossed! I really hope we get this. The I'm, rumored Switch version? I don't even know if it's confirmed anymore. I haven't no, seen any info no, about it. It is confirmed that the, there is going to be a, a Switch version that comes at a later date than the PS4 and 3DS versions. But uh -huh. other, other than that, we don't know a lot. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, if we get any version of 11, like, I'll buy it day one. I'm so excited for it. Mm -hmm. Whether it's 3DS or PS4. I just, I just want more. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm—I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Dragon Quest fan, so I'm—I'm uh, I'm real excited that it's it looks like we're getting more of those. Um, but I mean, you both have played multiple Dragon Quest games. Um, starting with—I uh, guess starting with you, Rob. Um, how do you think five rates, um, compared to others, or, or how do you think it fits along with the others in the series? Uh, it's probably my second favorite, uh, behind Dragon Quest Eight, which I I know is like M Mike and I will be singing that and talking about it for the rest of our lives but mm -hmm. i i really like dragon quest 5 i feel like it does exactly what i want out of the series which is to give me a good meaty rpg in a decent amount of time like it is not a 70 hour romp the way dragon quest 7 was um and i also think that it it's doing some narrative things that are really speaking to me at an at an older age than I think a lot of games at the time were trying to do. We talked on the last episode about how there's the datification of video games with like The Last <laughs> of Us and thing and the new God of War and like as these game developers are getting older, they're becoming fathers and sometimes grandfathers in these cases and and grandmothers and mothers for that for that matter. And so that's kind of adding an element to video games that I think is really really neat and I think Dragon Quest 5 was way ahead of it in that regard and this also doesn't have the the stigma that Dragon Quest games have of being incredibly grindy, incredibly long. I think Dragon Quest 7 kind of gave the whole series what it's known for, even though with these DS remakes, they moved away from that stuff. They moved away from massively wasting your time, yeah, and I think that that's a positive thing. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The three DS versions of 4, 5, and 6 are... Um, a little more streamlined and and uh, and have more modern, you know, accoutrement and are a little and less and less of a grind than their NES and Super and Super NES uh, original versions. And um, Dragon Quest V was, I think I maybe mentioned this last episode, but it's brisker than I remember it being. Yes, I I, uh, I I thought of it as this big long RPG, but that's probably because I grinded the hell out of it with the first time I played it. Um, and this time I think my playtime was. Uh, under 25 hours it was in the tw 20 to 25 range maybe close yeah that was about the same so yeah we'll call it like t a 22 hour game or something and um and that's a that's sizable without being overwhelming overwhelming like dragon quest 7 because dragon quest 7 is a good dragon quest but it's also the most dragon quest yep <laughs> and there and uh it took me a good 65 70 hours to beat the 3ds version and that's a, a quicker moving version than the ps1 original so um i think five is it, it's um because it's about you know fatherhood and not and uh and family and not just about um 
not just about saving the world. It gives it really, it makes it feel unique among Dragon Quest games and Japanese RPGs in general, especially since it's a, a 1992 game exploring these themes. But, um, and, and it's it's tied for my favorite with 8, and I know I've said that over and over in multiple podcasts. So, um, it's it's a very special game to me, and, um, and it was, and like I mentioned last episode, I, uh, it's what got me back into Dragon Quest, because when I, when I played 5 in the early 2000s, I hadn't really enjoyed a Dragon Quest game in a long time. And it, uh, and after play, I played 5, I got the Game Boy Color versions of the other games and basically beat the entire series, um, 1 through 8 minus 7, <laughs> uh, <laughs> after playing, after playing 5 in the 2000s, and that's what made me the Dragon Quest fan I am. So I have a lot of affection for this game, and I was really happy when I saw it got voted by, uh, by our listeners to be the next game that we, to be the Dragon Quest game we covered this year. So yeah, oh, man, I'm making myself misty-eyed just with all the positive nostalgia I have of this thing. <laughs> it's a really good game. It is it's a really yeah. good game. I loved it. And uh, and Keegan, like um, you've played at least a couple other Dragon Quest games. I don't remember. I don't exactly remember yeah, what you um, played before. Six is the only one I haven't. I own it. I just haven't had the chance to start it. So, okay, so you, honestly, you, you, played, you played basically all of them, and how, how do you think 5 fits along the others? I would genuinely rank 5 as my personal favorite. Just, be, just beating out 8. Uh, trying to think of the right ways to put it, but honestly, playing through it reminds me of reading an epic, you know? It's such a self-centered story about this one boy's journey through the hardships of life and eventually coming back to his kingdom, you know, and finally regaining all of his glory. It's like... It's like a beautiful book, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a coming-of-age story, and it comes full circle with him finally completing the quest that his father was on and seeing his, uh, his parents together in spirit, watching over their kids. And it, 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 it ends... Uh, the very last scene of the game is you do the Dragon Quest thing where you take a tour of a bunch of the, of the sites that you mm-hmm. visited uh, through the game, and then it ends with everybody waltzing in the in the kingdom of Gotha with your with your kids watching everybody. And it's like this is it's like after all this time with you and your wife and all this thing, you finally get to have a dance with her. <laughs> yep, you get some level of happiness, which is really really good. Maybe she'll have another thirty minute pregnancy at, at, at the night after. I mean, it it could happen. <laughs> Funny thing about the dance, uh, Mike. You've I thought you were going to say the thirty minute pregnancy. I was no. like, what? I'm, st- <laughs> I'm still I'm still alarmed by how quickly she became pregnant with those twins. <laughs> but uh, Mike, you've beaten the game with all three wives before, right? Yes. Did you ever notice that uh, when you finish it with Deborah during the dancing scene? She takes the lead, and it's actually your character oh. doing the spin. <laughs> I, I didn't notice that. Um, yeah, it's actually a cute little detail to separate from the wives. And yeah, there's wives' personal favorite. There, there's a, there is a lot of attention to detail in these remakes because they've they added so many extra things that longtime fans will recognize and appreciate, and uh, and the quality of life changes are very big, especially being able to control four characters instead of three, which is like the big problem with the Super Famicom version of this game. And uh, yeah, I never noticed that, but that that's that's a very cool touch, and it's consistent with Deborah's character. Mm-hmm. And I also I also like how in um, if you pick Deborah or Nera as your wife, uh, you'll occasionally have um, have Briscoletti's servants give you extra treasure chests. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> and and um, I think I, I don't remember if this happens in the in the DS version, but um, if you marry Nera, which or Flora, whatever you want to call her. 
Uh, she doesn't gain levels. She's at level 10, but she basically has to be protected by you because she's not a tough fighter the way Bianca is. Huh. Which is uh, I don't know. I've never picked her, so. Yeah, so which I don't remember. I don't know if she does that in the DS version. I think I've only married Flora in the Super Famicom version. So maybe, yeah, maybe I'll replay it with Mar and marry her this time. But uh, yeah, they a lot of the small change changes and differences and uh, and the way this remake was crafted are just so fun and satisfying. I already loved the game when the uh, DS version came out, and then it only made me like it more after playing the DS version. And I have a and my big file of this game when I when I did all the grinding and all the extras and tried to get a bunch of monsters. I think my characters are in the in the 65 to 70 level range. Man. In the in my old file, but uh, this time again, I think my main character was level 37 when I beat Nimzo. So we have spent a long time talking about Dragon Quest V over these past couple weeks. And it sounds like that all three of us were very positive on it, which which gladdens my you know shriveled Grinch heart. But <laughs> but um, let's see. Do we have any any closing remarks that anyone wants to bring up before we uh, before we start telling people where to find us? Uh yeah, I feel like when it comes to replaying a lot of games, the older it is for me, the harder it is for me to pick it up again. Mm -hmm. But something about Dragon Quest V, it always feels fresh and enjoyable like opening up an old book like i mentioned earlier it's always a joy to come back to it okay oh and i thought of something uh keegan let's say you yeah. had a let's say you had a friend who enjoys video games enjoys rpgs has never played a dragon quest game before do you think this is a good first dragon quest for someone oh without a doubt okay 100% either this or i'd say 8 is another good one if the 2d graphics are a little too retro for them but that would be a problem for another thing. But yeah, 5 or 8, I feel like, without a doubt, are the best starting points for somebody coming into the Dragon Quest series. I, I would also suggest 4 as a good starting point, because it really gives you a feel for what Dragon Quest worlds are like, and each character is basically an old Dragon Quest 3 class, but the story is, yeah. the, the is character-driven and fun to follow. So um, yeah, I think 4 and 5 are really good starting points. I would say just be a little careful with the Dragon Quest series because I think that there there are some very big standout games, five and eight being the two for me. But there are some games that maybe don't have as much of a lasting memory. Like I enjoyed Dragon Quest four a lot, but it kind of just came and went and didn't stick with me the way that five or eight did. Um, Dragon Quest seven, as we've said a couple minutes ago, is the most Dragon Quest, but it also doesn't really stand out for that very reason. So I, I think that there, even if you don't consider yourself a huge fan of the series, or if you've been put off by other Dragon Quest games that are maybe a little too grindy for you, I think 5 and 8 are the ones where they really break that mold. And I, I think you can recommend them to everybody, not just fans of Dragon Quest. 100% agree. Very cool. All right, so I think we're about Dragon Quest Five out right now. So I know I am. <laughs> So let's roll to the conclusion. Uh, Robert, if um, if listeners want to get in touch with you, uh, what are the means to do so? Uh, best way is to email me at uh, my website email, which is robert at rpgfan.com, or you can direct message me on the boards at Pale Robbie. Cool. And uh, Keegan? Yeah, you guys can uh, find me on the boards as Fozzie Bear. I'm also on Twitter as Kaylee Brand. And once I get that nice RPG fan email, since I got moved to full editor... You guys can email me there. Say <laughs> so we're moving on up. So excited. To the deluxe apartment. Oh, I think I think we're jumping around the Jefferson theme song. Yeah, Oops. we're doing too much. 
I, I, get I, it. I haven't watched Nick at Night in a long time, guys. We're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, and listeners, if you want to reach me, you can find me on the boards as Monsoon, on Twitter as at the real Monsoon, or my RPG fan email is at, is a, whoops, so the ad comes later in the in emails. <laughs> <laughs> at, uh, you can email me via Solosi at RPGfan.com, which is my last name. And if you want to email the podcast in general, the best way to do so is retro at RPGfan.com. Um, you can check out RPG Fan's uh, forums on the RPGfan.com main website, on Twitter as RPGfan.com, or on uh, Facebook at RPGfan.com. The, uh, oh, and listeners, if you want to uh, leave a review for us on iTunes or Stitcher or, or a similar um, podcast service, please do so. It, uh, it helps us reach out to more listeners, and we love that, and we love hearing from you. So... I think that about does it. Uh, next month we are playing Earthbound, which is the classic Super Nintendo RPG. I'm very excited. I haven't, I have not played that game in at least a decade. So this, so I'll be looking at it with a fairly fresh set of eyes. And also coming in July, we are doing a special Danganronpa 2 episode to follow up the Danganronpa episodes we did last year. Oh God. Yeah. Oh, I, maybe it's a good <laughs> thing I didn't know that was going to happen. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, we recorded Danganronpa one episodes last year, and we um, uh, and we liked it playing it so much that we pledged to um, do another to do a follow up when we had all finished the sequel. And that time has finally come, and we're gonna be talking about it in a couple weeks. I don't I don't know exactly when It'll, the the schedule hasn't been a hundred percent nailed down yet. So that's about all. Thank you, listeners. Good night and good luck. Adios.